Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this special episode, we discuss Jim Harbaugh's latest comments on the quarterback battle between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, and bring you some breaking news on a transfer into the program. That and more, coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be with you here again, Thursday morning, August 18th. I just saw you at availability yesterday. We did the podcast earlier in the week. This is this is good. This is good ramping up to the actual season when seeing you guys multiple times a week. It's good. Good little warm up here. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, what we heard yesterday from Jim Harbaugh, um, because maybe it was a little different than what we'd heard in the past, or at least, you know, last season when it was, you know, Cade McNamara is our starter. He's the guy to beat, you know, not saying he couldn't be beat. Now he's saying he's got two starting caliber quarterbacks uh and you know they're they're gonna they're gonna battle it out here through the preseason and potentially into the season what did you guys make of harbaugh's comments yesterday well it's certainly notable because i as i think we mentioned last week in the pod jim had said that typically in these quarterback situations where there's competition one guy tends to separate himself you know nine ten practices in a camp well they're they're past that point now they're in the second half of camp they're they're kind of coming down the final stretch so to speak and Jim says there really hasn't been any separation. I, I asked him point blank yesterday, Wednesday, you know, if there was any, and he, he said they both continue to elevate their game on a daily basis. And it's, he said it's pretty tight. Um, you know, he ha- he's made no decision on the starter. And in fact, it sounds like he's pretty willing to let this thing play out as long as it needs to. Uh, and that includes going into the season is, is what he said, which I think is interesting because you know, even in years past where Michigan has had quarterback competitions, I think back to like the Wilton Spate, John O'Corn times, especially that was, you know, well-documented. It was on, the, it was the, basically the the main storyline in the Michigan Amazon prime series a few years back. He tends to, he wants it named, you know, before the uh, first game. In that instance, I think it was a couple of days before the first game. Now in years past, Jim has been pretty, pretty, you know, willing to name a starter, you know, a few weeks before, uh, in the case last year with Cade McNamara, he was in the start, you know, midway through camp. He did that with Shea Patterson. That doesn't doesn't seem to be the case this year. Um, now, obviously, we're not privy to practice. We can't go in there. Um, Big Ten Network was allowed in the door Wednesday, part of their kind of preseason tour where they're kind of going across the conference and going to different campuses. Uh, but it sounds like from from Jim and, and he said, you know, ask the Big Ten Network guys. Uh, <laughs> so so you don't think I'm lying, but he he believes that this is a legitimate competition. These guys are neck and neck which I think is telling in some ways, um, but it's it's going to make for some drama here down the stretch and maybe, you know, could spill over into the, uh, the non-conference schedule. Welcome to the transfer portal age there, McMahon. It's not surprising that they're, they're waiting as long as possible just because, you know, you, you want to have two solid quarterbacks on the roster. And, yeah, I mean, we, we've mentioned this on the pub before. It, it wouldn't be surprising to see them continue to battle into the season because you have three cupcakes to, to begin the season. They're both going to get some playing time. And then you can kind of gauge from there who do you want to go into Big Ten competition play um, as your starter. So I did find it interesting that he said – um, he didn't really like the idea of of a rotation in, within the same game. Um, so, I mean, it, it, we might see one guy play most of the games when, when they really count and, and get into Big Ten play. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really expecting much out of Jim on Wednesday, and he kind of delivered on that, saying that, yeah, this competition is still ongoing. I'll go one step further and say I wouldn't be surprised – 
you know, assuming this competition continues to play out in the camp and into the start of the season, one guy gets one start one game and the other guy gets to start the next game. And I think the question posed to Jim yesterday was, like you said, are you willing to kind of alternate series? You know, one guy plays one series or in, in some cases two series and then bring the next guy out. In that case, it, it's almost hard to get in, in a rhythm. You know, you're, you're kind of playing or looking over your shoulder, worried about making a mistake and everything else. Whereas I think you can, if you give a guy a start for a full game, giving him a heads up that, hey, you're the guy today, it at least allows him to get in a rhythm and show what he can do. Um, but yeah, it's going to be real fascinating to watch this play out. I mean, it's been proposed out there that maybe they they use a non-conference schedule as kind of a you know a, an, an, an opportunity to see what these guys can do in game situations um but yeah i'm really curious to see how this plays out uh it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a you know a, a elongated version of what we saw last year and we've talked about this in weeks past where one guy starts and probably Cade and they but they play jj a little bit more um you know toward the back end but i, I don't know it, Jim, Jim made some comment yesterday about folks who, who say that, you know, if you if you don't have one quarterback, you don't or if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. Uh-huh. He doesn't like that comment. He thinks it's archaic or whatever the case may be. But I, I think he's genuinely wanted this for some time since he's gotten to Michigan. He always talks about competition and how it brings out the best in guys and, and everything else. But I, I truly believe that he, he he likes what they have at this point. He, I, I think if, if even if you're an unbiased observer, I, I think. You saw what Cade was able to do last year on the field. They won the Big Ten title. They had all the success. But you you can't deny the talent and the ability of J.J. McCarthy. So it's, I, I think it, for Jim, if he looks at it as a win-win situation, I don't think they, they can lose whoever they end up with. The tricky part is, is balancing this and trying to figure out who you go with and how much they play and everything else. Because you know if you do go to a, a two-quarterback situation, you risk alienating one of them. And we've talked about it before, you know, in the age of the transfer portal guys can leave rather quickly. So uh, I can't wait to see how this plays out because I, I think for the first time in Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, he legitimately has a quarterback competition that he, he like, he wants to see play out. He generally wants to see. So it's, I don't know, fascinating times. I think the precedent for this, and if you're Michigan, kind of the blueprint is, is what happened at Clemson several years ago, uh, you know, in 2017, Clemson went 12 and two. They got to a sugar bowl um, with Kelly Bryant as their quarterback. He then started uh, the next year as an upperclassman um, through four games. Clemson was four and oh, Kelly Bryant was playing well. I mean, completing 67% of his passes, uh, you know, not, not throwing, not giving the ball away. He was, you know, a running threat, um, you know, and Clemson was winning games often by, by blowouts at a, you know, close win against Texas A&M, but again, four and oh. And he's splitting time with a freshman named Trevor Lawrence in games. And, you know, some games it was uh, it was Bryant, who, you know, who threw more passes. Um, you know, at least one of those games, it was it was Lawrence, uh, especially then in that fourth and final game uh, against Georgia Tech, a blowout win. Uh, you know, Lawrence threw 18 passes to Bryant's 10 and, and Lawrence threw, uh, you know, four touchdowns in that game and, um, you know, was a was a running threat as well. And, and he made the move. Uh, Dabo Sweeney made the move to to bring in the, the true freshman and replace a guy who had been successful um, uh, and and effective. Um, and Clemson keeps winning fifteen and zero national champs. Uh, so like that that's the blueprint. But it was like at the time, if you remember, it was it was this is curious because you know you've got a guy an incumbent that's getting the job done, but Sweeney felt like the other guy could be even better and take him to to greater heights. And he was he was right. 
Um, I don't know. You think that's an app comparison? Could something like that happen here? I, I think it's spot on. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's a perfect example of what we may see this year, you know, and, and, and that's not taking anything away from any, any one of the quarterbacks or Cade or whatever else. But when you think you've got a superstar quarterback and he's on the precipice of breaking out and he's got that year under his belt of experience, you're in a way ready to take the, you know, the, the, the training wheels off and just let him go. And, and that's a very real possibility that this year. I, I think the first couple of games are going to decide a lot. I think, you know, I think we're probably going to see a lot of Cade. Um, he's going to have to kind of fend JJ off and, and show that he has taken a step and improved his passing game and everything else. Um, because you, you can't deny Michigan has, I think they're better equipped to throw the ball this year than they were last year. Yes, they have a strong offensive line back. They got some impressive running backs, but they keep talking up the tight ends and their playmaking ability and the receiver's room is being loaded. And Jim Harbaugh has gone and gone the step is saying the receiver room might be the best he's had since he's gotten to Michigan. If that is the case and that is all true, then it, you would be a fool not to utilize them. <laughs> and mm -hmm. if you're going to utilize them, I think your best case scenario is going with the quarterback with the better arm and the more playmaking ability. And that arguably, or maybe not even arguably, is J.J. McCarthy. So uh, it's it's a weird situation. I, I think it, it's a good situation. I think either way you go, I think they're in decent hands. Uh, but yeah, it's a, I think that's a great comparison. And it, very well, maybe a... Uh, and you said a blueprint of what Jim Harbaugh does uh, does this fall. Counterpoint to that is if 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 you know you have all these playmakers and guy and a solid offensive line, maybe you go with a guy like Cade who you trust to not turn the ball over as much and know that there's so many options that he could go to. All he has to do is make the right decision more often than not, and, and you're going to be able to put up some points. So yeah, it's 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 a tough decision for for the coaching staff, and yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm not paid the big bucks to make it because it seems like it would be a, it's going to be a tough call. It's important to point out to turning the ball over is often a symptom of inexperience and or lack of confidence in what you're doing. Um, I think we saw that early on, you know, when Michigan brought in Josh Gaddis to kind of revamp the offense and change things. You saw that early on with Michigan. They couldn't hold on the football. Shea Patterson alone had a ton of turnovers. And obviously that's not unique to his situation, but uh, it goes back to lack of confidence, just a you know lack of familiarity of what's going on. Now that JJ has a year under his belt, I suspect he's cleaned some of that up. But you're right that that is obviously a big measure. Jim Harbaugh has said that you know in, in determining who the starting quarterback will be, they're going to look at a the, the quarterback that can move the offense the best and and put points on the board, but b also hold on to the football too. So obviously those are big factors. I, obviously we're not privy to camp. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if Jim and the coaching staff say this quarterback competition is neck and neck, that signals to me that JJ has cleaned some things up because we, as we all saw last year, Cade was very good at holding on to the football and not turning it over. So um, it, it tells me that, you know, JJ has improved there. I think it's worth noting. I'm shocked uh, Zook didn't chime in here, but Trevor uh, Kelly Bryan in that example I gave was in the transfer portal before Clemson played its next game. <laughs> After Lawrence was announced as a starter, he didn't even actually take the job yet. He was just announced as such, uh, and and Brian bolted. Um, I don't think you can make a decision based on that, though, because I mean that's just the nature of the sport. Guys are transferring. Uh, you can you can get someone in the portal too. So I think you got to go with the best guy. Not worried about that. Do you lose any of the other teammates if you make the change? Uh, because you know they're behind Cade. Um, not that especially the freshmen don't feel a connection with with McCarthy, but uh, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. But I don't know. I, we heard all this talk last year that McCarthy was the guy who could take them to that next level. But maybe the, the bar has been raised because 
McNamara took them to the next level and beat Ohio State. So the next level is now beating Georgia. I'm not sure who your quarterback was. You were winning that game last year with that Georgia defense. So, you know, fine. But if if the true next step now, the next hurdle to clear is is not just getting into the playoff, but but winning it, then maybe maybe that's the decision. But it sure seems like he's going to have to see what happens in games because both guys, it doesn't seem like either is going to going to relinquish the the job to the other in in camp so it's kind of going to be what happens in games and as we've talked about the uh the schedule sets up to allow for um you know plenty of playing time for a lot of different people you would think in those first three or four games yeah and i think this in a way too that the fact that jj is still neck and neck with cade obviously speaks to his talent his ability and i think he does things differently you know think does things differently from cade but Remember, he didn't throw in the spring at all, so he's kind of coming off a cold arm. He's still getting the, the you know, the swing of things. Um, they do have a, you know, different coordinator, or at least one different coordinator. So like, they're, they've changed some a little bit, different voice, different play call sheet, whatever the case may be. Um, so the fact that JJ is still there neck and neck, I think, speaks volumes to his ability and the fact that you know they they obviously like what he does and his talent. Uh, you know, he, he, you know that he, that the fact that he took five, six, seven months off and he's able to come in and right away and still compete, I, I think, you know, tells you his ceiling is so high. And I think the Michigan coaches realize that. Okay. We have some news as we, as we said, it just kind of broke this morning. Um, the Michigan football team has brought on a new player and that's for this season. Correct. Tell, tell me about him. Yeah. That question is up in the air. Um, but before, yeah, the, the news broke last night, actually Wednesday, late Wednesday night, I'll give credit to the, the folks over at the Wolverine on three. They, they broke the story first, but he, he, I mean, trying to get this name correct. Yabi Anoma uh, is enrolled at the university of Michigan. His name is in the student directory. He went in yesterday, a Michigan football team spokesman confirmed gets transferred to Michigan. Uh, he is a graduate transfer. Uh, he's had several stops. Now it's important to point out he's a former five-star recruit at a high school. So, Heck of a talent. He's a linebacker, 6'3", 2", I don't know what he's listed at now, 6'3", uh, I'm sorry, 6'6", 270 at last at last listing. So he's a big dude, athletic dude. Uh, he comes to Michigan from the University of Tennessee, Martin, an FCS school. It was his third stop since coming from high school. Uh, as I mentioned, former five-star recruit out of high school. He was a top five player nationally. Uh, so a lot of talent here. A lot of folks liked him. He started his co- collegiate career. Uh, at the University of Alabama. So it just goes to show there just the, the upside. Uh, he was dismissed from the University of Alabama, the school, uh, after his freshman year where he did play, played in 12 games. He was on the all-SEC freshman team uh, at linebacker. Kind of, He's kind of played as a linebacker, edge rusher role. After he was dismissed there, he went to the University of Houston for, and played for Dana Holgerson. Well, I, I shouldn't say he, he was on the team. He didn't play. He sat out a year and was dismissed for transfer and then was dismissed from that team as well. Uh, so those are his two stops. Then he went to UT Martin, uh, sat out the 2020 season due to the, uh, the transfer, you know, had to sit out due to the transfer rules at that point. Uh, and then he played last year. Uh, he was a all Ohio Valley conference player or newcomer. Uh, he had, he had uh, nine and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, uh, heck of an edge rusher. He's got ability. Uh, he, you know, he's got the size, uh, it's just a matter of whether he can stick, and that's the question. Uh, he has transferred in. He has joined the football team. It remains unclear if he's eligible to play this year. And, and I say that because typically grad transfers, when they go from one school to another, they're eligible to play right away just by nature of being a graduate transfer. But the NCAA recently put in this new transfer transfer portal rule where if you aren't in the portal by May 1, you're not eligible to play that year. 
It's kind of a way to curb the, the, the huge number of transfers we've seen in college sports the last couple of years. So he obviously entered this week, uh, which is obviously after the May 1 deadline, uh, after Michigan spoke, team spokesman, if they know if he's eligible this fall, they didn't, they don't. So we're going to find out here shortly. Either way, I mean, he's only got a week or so to get, or a couple of weeks now to get ready. I suspect that probably won't be enough just to get in, in the swing of things and, and knowing the playbook and everything else. And at the same time, it's probably going to take some time for him to you know learn to uh, to get the you know the trust of the coaching staff and everything else. But fascinating addition here, as we've talked about, Michigan hasn't really gotten a ton of guys from the portal the last couple of years. They've been very selective. Oftentimes, they are grad transfers. And in this case, it's it's another uh, another grad transfer. Yeah, talk about out of the blue. I mean, I don't think this was on, on many people's radar, but I mean, when when you look at at some of the his his background and realize, oh, he's been dismissed from two different teams, you're like, well, that doesn't seem like a, a guy Michigan would be interested in. But then you know, then you realize he's he's from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, and he was formerly coached by Biff Pogey, who is now on Jim Harbaugh's staff. You're like, all right, there there's a connection there. I'm sure Pogey would uh, knows him pretty well and, and believes he can kind of turn the corner and, and be a, a great addition to to Michigan too. So yeah, former former teammate of Blake Corum. Um, so yeah, the 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 Saint Saint Francis Academy to to Michigan pipeline continues here, and yeah, it is going to be fascinating to see how. I mean, yeah, top five prospect. I mean, uh, that's. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talent there, so we'll, we'll see how we adjust and if he plays this season. But yeah, over, even if it's this season or next season, he could be a, a solid addition, knowing that Michigan need, needs edge rushers, and we know how important edge rushers are in this th- defense. There are red flags there for sure. You would assume Michigan followed up on them, and uh, but it's something to, to ask Harbaugh once. I guess this becomes a little more official, but I will say this about the about the deadline. I mean, I remember talking to a couple of veteran college basketball coaches who have sat on various committees that discuss these things. And uh, they didn't think for basketball players, at least that deadline would hold up if challenged by a grad transfer, especially while you did see a flurry of players get in before that may went may one deadline. It's unclear whether it would really hold up. They didn't think it would, you know, if all, all it would take was even like the threat of like a lawsuit, you know, because at the end of the day, who who do you think like a neutral, you know, third party is going to side with, you know, because kid just wants to go to school here and play a sport and you're making him not do that for a whole year. Like, yeah, you could see you could see how it, it wouldn't be too hard probably to get him on the field. The problem is they, they have a game in a couple of weeks and, you know, this is this is just a little late in the game to be to be joining and, and figuring things out. But maybe at that position, it's there's not a ton to it if you're just saying, you know. All right, you're going in there on you know third down plays and you know go go tackle the guy with the ball. That that is the caveat. If he can get a waiver for the NCAA again, I don't know how much effort that would take. He theoretically could be eligible. Maybe that's what Michigan and, and Anoma are waiting on. Um, but Ryan, you couldn't have you can't overstate the connection enough with with St. Francis Academy. Uh, this is a huge gamble. I mean, this isn't something typically Jim Harbaugh would do. He doesn't typically bring in guys who have been dismissed from other programs, let alone two, and has all, you know have all these blinking, flashing red lights to him. Because Anoma does. I mean, if you f- face the facts, he's he's been dismissed from two schools. It doesn't look good. Um, but I will say this: you know, he did graduate within four years, which I think speaks a lot to, to his ability to still do well in the classroom. So it suggests maybe those dismissals were. 
were unrelated to classroom activity. Um, you know, he did post on Twitter this morning and he, he basically saying thanking uh, everyone for getting him to this point. I believe his grandmother recently passed. He's kind of dedicated the season and the rest of his football career to her. And he did say he's turned things around. So it, it sounds like he has changed. And I do think that connection to Biff Pogey and St. Francis Academy is probably what triggered this move. And what has has Jim Harbaugh and his staff thinking, okay, maybe we can, you know, get something out of this kid. He can he turn his life around because he's got he's got familiar faces around him. Uh, Poji was, a, in a way, a mentor to him at St. Francis Academy. By all accounts, he had a very good high school career. There were no issues there. In fact, in 2017, Poji's on record as saying, uh, Ayabi Anoma is one of the greatest, uh, one of the best high school football players I've ever coached. Uh, so he's obviously got the connection there. He knows his capabilities and, and his ability. I suspect he had to sell Jim Harbaugh a bit on this. But when you've got familiar faces around you, you're a little bit older and more mature. I think there's there's the chance there that he can turn things around. We'll see. It sounds like Michigan is willing to give him the opportunity. Uh, we'll see if he gets on the field at all this fall, if he's able to get on the field. Um, but if he can and if he shows any ounce of abil- you know, ability of what they saw coming out of high school, I think he could do some damage. I mean, keep in mind, Michigan was after him. They recruited him out of high school back in 2017. They lost, obviously lost the battle to, to Alabama, but he was very interested in Michigan at the time. Uh, he liked the school and the facilities and the staff and everything else. Um, so we'll see. It, it's, it's an obvious connection. It's one that clearly was made probably through Biff Pogey. Um, but again, we got a lot, there's a lot of questions to be answered, whether he's eligible to play this fall, how quickly they can get him in game shape, how quickly they can get him acclimated defense. And even through after all that, you know, whether or not there's a role for him, because we, we've seen countless times now here, grad transfers come in and not play much of, of, at all, or they're just not able to get a role. So we'll see here. Uh, interesting move. Like Ryan said, it kind of came out of the blue. Uh, but nonetheless, it was certainly a newsworthy uh, Thursday morning here. We've got another piece of news, too, and that's something we discussed last week, uh, but it, it's now happened. Uh, the Big Ten has announced its new media rights deal with a variety of networks not named ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC, and then its affiliates such as the Peacock streaming surface surf, service. Uh, it's a seven-year deal. It begins next year, 2023, and it's worth a reported $7 billion, a billion with a B. And uh, I guess the Big Ten, you know, knows it might be, well, it's going to be adding a, a couple members here in a couple of years in UCLA and USC and could be adding more. So therefore, it, it you know, reserves the, the right to up that total, I guess, up the, the bill to, you know, possibly into $10 billion range, according to reports. So uh, I don't know. Again, I think that it helped Michigan and, you know, Ohio State probably too, to have that ESPN noon slot so often. That's just a channel. The people turn to noon Eastern time. Oh, college football's on. Let me just put on ESPN. And there's Michigan. There's the winged helmet. There's the big house. Um, did it help them actually win games when all is said and done? I don't know. Uh, but I think it probably did. It did, you know, the sports as a front porch of a university, right? And I thought it, I think it brought eyeballs to the school. Um, and in the end, you know, the whole, the whole purpose is to then generate more applicants to the school. And, and that's kind of how you, you raise money when all is said and done. So, um, yeah, I think. I think that hurts, but um, you know this is this is the wave of the future. I think it'll be harder for fans to watch games overall, especially older fans trying to figure out a game on Peacock. I know that was a problem for Notre Dame fans last year, uh, and can be frustrating. But here we are. Uh, it's a it's a large stack of cash for the conference. Yeah, the bottom line is these athletic departments in the Big Ten are just going to be breaking in more money every year uh, at a billion dollars a year. It's a nice chunk of change for all these schools. Um, 
yeah, the, the TV network will be something that I think adjust. But again, most of the, uh, in fact, all these networks, Fox, CBS, and NBC, they're all on linear TV. They're pretty easy to get. You just have to figure out where your, your games are being played. Uh, but remember, I mean, the last couple of years, Fox has done a nice job of kind of building up its, its you know, Big Ten footprint, its Big Ten games. I mean, a couple of Michigan's most watched games last year, and they were some of the most watched college football games of the year were on Fox. So they weren't necessarily on, on, on the ESPN network. So it is a move. It, it's going to be different. I think it's, it's going to take some time to get adjusted to. CBS, in fact, put out their uh, college football theme song this morning and with a uh, running video of, of Big Ten highlights. So I think some some folks that tune in to, you know, CBS every Saturday are going to have to be adjusted as well, especially down the SEC. So uh, it's all about the money. Uh, you're going to bring in more money for these schools and these athletic departments. You know, not that necessarily Michigan needs it, uh, but certainly the bottom barrel, the Big Ten, the Rutgers and the Indianas and the Marylands sure fare to, uh, you know, to uh, benefit well from these, uh, from the, you know, the increased dollars. None of it's flowing our way, that's for sure. But, you know, we'll be there. We'll be there to, to cover these games, uh, you know, in print. Uh, all right. Well, this was, again, special episode, a lot, lot to talk about. And we'll be back, uh, you know, next week with, with more coverage uh, leading up to the uh, start of the football season, September 3rd. Thanks for listening.